Hello, and welcome to Not the Podcast You Deserve. In what is sure to be our nerdiest podcast yet, today we talk about our favorite on-screen Spider-Man films and all that implies. Thank you for listening. This is Not the Podcast You Deserve. So last week, I told you guys I would watch Goldeneye as long as you two sat down and watched Cabin in the Woods. And I know you did this, oh, man. and I have to hear your thoughts about Cabin in the Woods. Listen, listen. I'm not going to lie to you. We started it. We're thoroughly enjoying it. And then 20 minutes in, realized that we were listening to the blind version where you have a narrator <laughs> explaining each scene in great detail. And this narrator is not just like somebody in the movie. It's very much like a voiceover person. Like think of a '90s trailer that's like in a world where <laughs> where magic happens every day, like that kind of thing. This makes it's, me so sad. But it's just describing like things happening in the movie. Like the redhead girl looks left down the street, and then like a and then it'll be like a car pulls up and it's like and i want to know how far into the movie you got with 18 this going 18 minutes on. and 26 seconds how after and the listen, first scene there, were you not like this isn't right there are a litany of excuses that i'm going to run through but at the end of the day <laughs> of course it is unacceptable that four collegiate graduates made it 18 minutes and however many seconds into this movie and didn't realize that this is not how the movie should go but i will say cabin in the woods is the type of movie that makes a lot of sense for there to be a narrator because it opens up with these two guys in the office and they're like, all right, let's have these kids run through our story. And, and it's like then, totally, that's like totally, that that totally takes away from like the, the best part of the movie is like you sit down. I don't know about you guys. I didn't know anything about this movie when I went and saw it the first time. I was like, oh crap, another horror movie. I'm going to be like, you know, gripping the, like my, the arm uh-huh. chair thing. And, and then like it opens up and it's like a scary title. Then it just like flashes two guys and button downs, like getting in a golf cart, like driving yeah. around work. And I was like, wait, did I go to the wrong movie? Is this right? <laughs> so that I think is the best part about the movie. So I will say we did have the benefit of seeing this like what nine years after it came out or whatever. So, mm. oh, did you know? I I did not know all of it. I knew that it was not your traditional scary movie. Was mm-hmm. kind of what I had been told, and that it was a little quirky, a little off. And so when the narrator was in the beginning, kind of walking through the story, I was like, okay, this totally fits with what i know about the movie so Man. we'll just ride this out and I, it, I will be honest it didn't ruin my movie watching experience <laughs> okay. there Almost were parts of it that enhanced were, it yeah there were parts of it that seemed like it was planned for it okay. um like the narrator would be like he spits tobacco and then the guy would go like y'all, right on cue y'all made it all the way to the guy in the in the gas station 18 minutes and 26 seconds Good Kyle. night the, the that's line, so sad the, the oh part that the part that was the total cue for us was when they switch rooms after they discover the two-way mirror the two-side mirror yeah and yeah. they switch rooms and then the guy takes his shirt off and she's kind of like "Ooh, hey um the narrator goes 
he takes off his shirt to reveal his muscular body. The light glistens off his light brown skin. And I was like, I don't think that was part of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I no longer want to hear about you guys watching this from a standpoint of a, a movie for blind people. When you actually got to see the actual movie, what did you think? Do you agree with me? Best horror movie of all time. So the, the whole us flubbing the narrated version really hindered our ability to buy into the horror movie aspect of it, which I didn't realize was such a big part of a horror movies. But if you can outlast the first 20 minutes of a movie, not buying into a horror movie, it's not that scary. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed Cabin in the Woods. I Holy. think it was a great comedic horror movie but not like a parody or like a scary movie you right. know comedy yeah. horror movie it's just like an evolved version of a horror movie when they're doing that scene when he's got the whiteboard behind him and they're all taking bets on like which monsters they were gonna pick i was, was crying and did y'all pause it and look at all the monster names yes the funniest oh, one to gosh. me was witches and then followed by sexy sexy witches, witches. <laughs> so funny and then the payoff of uh the guy talking about the merman merman that whole time in the merman's when they kills you gotta be kidding me yeah gosh the payoff of that movie is so great plus the elevator scene when like all of the monsters come out of the elevator at the same time oh my god six different times with that ding yes (laughs) there's more madness oh that's my favorite horror movie of all time also it does a good it, I will say as a per- yeah, yeah. I will say as a person who does not like horror movies at all, I loved that movie and like would watch it again. Yeah. yeah. And this is coming from the person who has nightmares about the Phantom <laughs> of the Opera. <laughs> right. So like I don't do scary movies. Don't do right. it. Yeah. But like that movie rocked. Yeah, just that's a lot of fun. That's when a great Chris, movie. When Chris Hemsworth's bike yes. dirt bike hit the force <laughs> field, I was dying. They set that up so beautifully too, because he's doing like the get every, like the rallying the troops speech, and he jumps up and then smashes and, into and the you wall. You know it's going to happen. You know it's happening the whole time, and it's oh, still see, I didn't so know that because the only thing that kind of gave you that is the uh, like the, the opening scene, the bird, yeah, like runs into the wall or whatever. That's the foreshadowing, which the narrator describes as a bird of prey riding the thermals of the oh wind. Oh my gosh, that's the one that cued me. I was like, that's too much descriptive detail and not enough oh but um i i will say it cabin in the woods does a thing that very few movies do that i love which is they explain and give reasons for plot holes in movie like the genre like they said like the kids always making stupid horrible mistakes but they explain that in that these guys are controlling them and making them do when that. they decide to split or when they decide to stay together and then they yes. have like the thing go through the vents is like now nah, we should split up that's yes so- I, I love it when movies can do that's one of the reasons i loved rogue one so much is that it went back through and filled in that plot or right. gave a reason for the plot hole of there being one thermal exhaust that you could put one missile into this giant death star and blow yeah. it up they're like oh yeah they did that because it was a good guy who planned this super thing that that's a uh, good I was going to say, so Kyle, we watched Cabin in the Woods, but you also had an assignment. What okay. did you think of Goldeneye? All right. Okay. First off, the uh, the opening like 
first like five, 10 minutes of GoldenEye is the exact same opening as the video game. Yeah. So I had seen this a million times. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I got this movie. This is great. I will say that the soundtrack too was very, very nostalgic. When you hear that little like, like dung thing, you know, that was all throughout the game and it was throughout the movie too. I was like, ah, like I had like that like sense of excitement. And yeah. that was about the only time I enjoyed the movie was when that. <laughs> oh no. Got some things for you guys. Um, the, uh, the, the scene where he jumps off the cliff on the motorcycle and then into the airplane. The that was cool. Ever. Yes. That was really, really cool. The rest of the movie. Then there's a nine year time jump. And then from there, yeah. it's like, it seemed like the rest of the movie took nine years to finish. Um, <laughs> but I, I had some notes that I was scribbling down uh, just as I was going and they are as follows. Famke Jansen. She's great. I was so glad that she was in the movie uh, as whatever on a top uh <laughs> boris nightcrawler you, this movie yes. had this movie had Mr. nightcrawler Flew. and gene gray golly how did the bad guys lose that doesn't make any sense floop is a madman help floop. us save us <laughs> i forgot he was floop um there is a line in this movie when money penny is talking to james bond and he says something ridiculous to her and she says you know your actions could be taken as sexual harassment and James Bond laughs and says, what's the punishment for that? And I was like, well, this is definitely not something that would fly in 2020. It did a not good... age well. It no. seems, that seems like a 2000s commentary on James Bond being a yeah. sexually harassment type. And then it'll be like, haha, let's turn but it on its head and acknowledge The it. answer to his not question of what's way. the punishment for that, she says eventually you'll have to follow up on your promises. Ooh, so like, ooh, ooh. I no, lots no, of bad no, takes no, here. No, not a good no, thing. No. Also, Hagrid, I have an exclamation point. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that was Hagrid. Uh, who's the bad guy in the thing. And then the thing that I like kept running through my mind the last like hour of this movie is why did we not do this movie for episode one podcast which was technology and 90s movies because oh my gosh so uh, the gadgets there well not even just the gadgets the whole the bad guy is just in the mainframe mainframe is said four times i counted <laughs> and at one point when uh when the good cyber chick like hacks into nightcrawler's uh -huh. cyber thing uh -huh. um the other bad guy who is uh as uh, the guy from Game of Thrones. You're, you're sounding a lot like Tiff right now. I have to. I know. I'm sorry. Well, this is a bad movie. So it's not like you Monsters can't see Inc. It, but I'm I can't describe it. Yeah, click it three times. Um, he says, he says, she was in the mainframe. Check the computer. And like, that's how they get like sorted out as to how to fix the mainframe. It's important. Man. It does, but it's important. That movie. And then the, also, too, like, Oh, never mind. It's just the in the opening scene, he's like bungee jumping off that big wall thing, right? Uh -huh, and uh -huh. then like he like shoots his watch or whatever, and then like the the stunt double that they have for that looks nothing like oh, Pierce no. Brosnan. Like he's a very dark skin toned, like much more so than Pierce Brosnan, at least. I was like, Y'all couldn't find anybody that was like <laughs> Pierce Brosnan that could bungee jump? What what are we doing? Overall, I don't get were what you, you guys like James were you Bond in general. To see Sean Bean come back? Was that um, I had seen the part where he fell off the top of the satellite uh, before. Okay. Um, okay. So I was not shocked by that. Um, but I did enjoy Sean Bean's character. That was the best part of the movie, probably. Yeah. 006 is such an interesting idea to yeah. kind of build out the universe. I love that aspect of it. 
That's a so, bad movie. I don't know why y'all are still on the James Bond train or sticking up for Goldeneye. But. So I think it's one of those that if you see it as a child, you're like, this is awesome, right? I, and we've talked about that before. Certain movies that you see as children just implant themselves in your brain as so this, a good movie. And if you only see it as yeah. an adult, you go, mm-hmm. no, that's dumb. To this uh, day, Captain- I still look for watches that have lasers on them. I keep looking, buddy. Dream of the day that technology, laser technology, can catch up to this movie. Captain America: The Winter Soldier was a seven thousand times better spy movie than James Bond: Goldeneye, and for that matter, I'm going to say pretty much every other James Bond movie. So I don't know why people are still watching these movies; they're bad. Listen, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> this week's podcast, we're talking about the best Spider-Man uh, and best Spider-Man movies. Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man. Does whatever Spider Man. Hey, thanks hey, for that. Spider Man. That was you, perfect. Really, you good. know that's not the words, right? Spider Man. <laughs> this, 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 this could go on for 15 minutes if you let it. It I really could. <laughs> I will hold this podcast hostage with copyright. <laughs> we were we were discussing like the best way of doing. Do you talk about the best Spider Man movie first, or who played the best Spider Man? But I think when you talk about the best Spider Man movie you're probably going to have the best Spider-Man at the helm of that franchise. Um, so I wanted to open the door to you guys to discuss Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, best Spider-Man. Who do you got? I've, I've talked about this multiple times with friends. and the, What I've come down to is that Tobey Maguire absolutely crushes Peter Parker. He is the most believable, nerdy, like, that aspect of Peter Parker, who's like the outcast kind of misunderstood, super smart nerd. I think Tom McGuire is very believable as that. Yeah. Um, I thoroughly enjoy Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and then it's comedic comedy. But I think Tom Holland all around is just everybody. I, when you watch that movie, you're just like, that's yeah, that's Spider-Man. Yeah. He right. got it. Crawford, what do you think? So I think it's gotta be Tom Holland. Uh, for all the reasons that Drew just said, Tom Holland did better. Uh, I don't yeah. think Tobey Maguire is believable as a high school student. I don't think anybody. That's true. They all look as a high school student. Point. Um, point. And also, you talk about oh, Tobey Maguire does a great job of being the outcast smart kid. He doesn't do anything smart in that movie at all. He wins the science award. He's just yeah. this handed one, but you never see him do anything. Whereas Tom Holland, you see him solve equations in class and all that stuff. Also, there's a difference between being like, a, you know, a nerd and being a social pariah. Uh, <laughs> Peter Parker was, was never a social pariah. Like, right. he, was, he was a nerd and so wasn't like the most popular kid in school. And that's, uh-huh. that's what you get with Tom Holland. Like, he's a nerd, but he has like that's a, a best point. friend and they pal around. But like, you know, the cool kid Flash or whatever still makes fun of him. And yeah. you know, he, he gets called Penis Parker and stuff like that. So like, he's not the coolest kid in school, but he's still got a friend, you know. Yeah. He, <laughs> um, and and yeah. a big part of Spider-Man for me is his quippiness and wittiness. Yeah. And like, while he's a nerd, he's not an idiot. Like, he, he still knows how to talk to people. Right. Um, yeah, and yeah. can say funny comments. Whereas Tobey Maguire looks at Mary Jane is like, uh, 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 and like doesn't actually know how to do anything. It is uh, uncomfortable Tom, when Tobey Maguire is Peter Parker. It is yes. cringy to watch. But yeah. but Tom Holland is still kind of like a nerdy teenager, but he still can be like, uh, would you? I don't know, homecoming with me? 
like and he then, still was able to get a word out <laughs> well and that's that's what i think is really tough about like about spider-man specifically um because spider-man came out in the early 60s i believe um stanley created spider-man and there have been so many com it was it as soon as spider-man came out it was a hit because unlike batman and superman and the flash and all that stuff like spider-man was a 15 year old kid in the comic book when it came out Mm. And like, so the kids were running to the comic book stores and buying them off the shelves as like as fast as Stanley could make them, they were getting off the shelf. Um, and so there's, you got to kind of grow up over the last 60 years with Peter Parker and his character. And there's so many different iterations now with multiverse and there's Miles Morales and there's a hundred different other types of Spider-Man. And so it's really, really like each movie kind of had to like pick and each in each character playing Spider-Man kind of like pick like a version of the character from the comic books. Yeah. And I think Toby Maguire kind of did that because and we've talked we've talked off air about how I think in every single one of our podcast episodes we've brought up either Sam Raimi or 2002 Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> and I think I've cut most of those out and I went on like one time I went on like a 17 minute like tirade by myself and you guys just let me go about spider-man end up cutting that out of the episode too so i kind of can't remember what's been said on this podcast and what i've just taken out in editing but like the interesting thing about toby wire spider-man is like it's very very comic accurate in terms of like it's a it's a kid who's got these new powers who's got a love life who's got a job who's trying to go to school and he gets pulled in all those different directions and that's what like the first spider-man like set of comics was about it was about a like a kid who just wanted to be a normal kid but he also had this great weight of responsibility on it. i have to go if i've got these powers and i don't use them then everything that bad that happens happens because i didn't do it that's a yeah. line that tom holland says in uh, captain america civil war it's taken straight from the comics um i don't think with great power comes great great responsibility i don't think that's in the comics actually um i could be wrong on that but it was just like that was the that was the heart of spider-man it was a kid who just wanted to be a kid who wanted to have a girlfriend who wanted to you know win science awards but Mm -hmm. he had the responsibility the burden of taking care of people and i thought toby mcguire did an awesome job with that the only problem is that's like the only thing well he did with (laughs) spider-man tom holland spider-man is far and away the best in terms of like being witty and having that that inner dialogue um, that inner like monologue going back and forth and and I think it's pretty easy to say Tom Holland is like the best one because he's the most enjoyable but it's yeah. also like he's the most enjoyable because you haven't seen him have to like lose his uncle or his parents yeah. like Andrew Garfield's did like you didn't have to see him struggle to like mate balance having a job and having a life and having a girlfriend mm-hmm. and stuff. so like he's like the one that's like most comfortable to relate with because like less bad things happen to Tom Holland at least on screen his Spider-Man like they've never even talked about his uncle dying and nevertheless they even talked about his parents like what happened to them we don't know what did Marissa, Marissa Tomei go off on a killing spree and end everybody we don't know um there's hopefully <laughs> that'll hope be unpacked. yeah hopefully that'll be unpacked in later movies who knows um but the fact that they didn't even bring it up in the second one either is wild um but the the fact that they all 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 three iterations of live action spider-man um have been so different is really cool i think garfield's is like the furthest from a comic accurate so i I will say i feel like the amazing spider-man gets a a lot of bad rap and i really do enjoy those movies probably more so than the the average person but i think that they kind of swung that pendulum as far away over from toby Maguire as like Ooh, yeah. cringy, hard to watch to let's make him super smooth and suave. 
And well, he still wasn't like super smooth and sweet. He was still like super awkward, but it's not yeah. like charming awkward. It's thing, a charming you know? awkward. It was like yeah. hipster. It was like hipster. Cool. Hipster. Yeah, he's like yeah. hipster Spider Man. Yeah. But I did thoroughly enjoy Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone's chemistry. Yeah, I think that's the best chemistry between Spider Man. Yeah, I think Quincy. Emma Stone yeah. was a like a better love interest than yeah. you know Kirsten Dunst. Is yeah, <laughs> or Zendaya. Honestly. Or Zendaya. I don't. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's um, it's pro- did you think it helped that they were dating in real life, Emma Stone and uh, Garfield? Garfield? Probably. I, Couldn't have heard. Also, Zendaya and Tom Holland are dating also too, aren't they? That can't be real. I I believe so. I don't know. Wow. That's She's like two feet taller than he is. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be real. You got it? Oh, I was going to say, you know, uh, I did just Google the with great power comes great responsibility. Like if it's in the comics. Is it? Uh, it is. In the okay. comics, but it's not actually spoken by anybody when it first appears. It's one it of the narrator a, things. Yeah, it just appears as like a, a narrative text on the yeah. last panel. But mm-hmm. actually, it says, you know, the quote is widely attributed to Uncle Ben. However, in Amazing Fantasy number 15, uh, where it first appears, it's not spoken by any character. In fact, Ben has only two lines in the entire comic. Wow. And that's, <laughs> and, and that is wow. like. Wow. There's been so many like retcons and like redos of like Spider-Man's like origins yeah. that like it's really hard to keep straight what actually happened yeah. and like what like we just gotta like pick an iteration kind of like stick with it and that's what I think Toby McGuire did a great job he picked his version and his version was the kind that's gonna make you really uncomfortable for fifty percent of the movie when he's not wearing the mask <laughs> and then Tom Holland's is the kind that you're just gonna fall in love with because he's so funny and charming and witty mm-hmm. and then andrew garfield was like i mean i guess i'm cool i don't know <laughs> i i also will say you know i'll steal a line that drew allen uses all the time but i think that the toby mcguire spider-man had to crawl so that the tom holland spider-man could run right like yeah. you missed that perfect thing it could swing uh, <laughs> the other thing too we didn't talk about was toby <laughs> mcguire's spider-man for whatever reason they used organic webbing and i think that that was oh. Not only does that make me mad just as a comic book purist, but just the fact that like they had a chance to show how smart he was that he yes. created this thing and then they didn't do it. And that's what was really cool about Tom Holland's and even Andrew Garfield is they showed you this kid is not just like a smart teenager. Like he's so smart he could create organic webbing that could hold up a truck or could hold his body weight as he swings across, you know, buildings mm-hmm. and stuff. Like that's a really, really cool thing. And that's that's always one of the reasons that I liked Spider-Man a lot was he was not Superman and Batman where everything was just, I'm just an unstoppable force and there's nothing you can do about it. He had to think his way out of situations. He had to create stuff. He had to like use his genius was Mm -hmm. his genius is really his superpower. The fact that he gets to stick onto walls and stuff. That's Mm -hmm. a, that's a icing, icing on the top. Yeah. And there's, and there's a common uh, trope throughout the comic books of, Oh, he ran out of webbing, like right at the, you know, Always the, when he needs it the most. He's going to run out of webbing and he's yeah, got to figure it out. Because of the it. most inconvenient time. He's like, oh, shoot, my web shooters are low. Like, what am I going to yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Where, but if you have organic webbing, it's like, not a problem. Yeah. That does lead me into a, a good point. And I'm not as, as peeved as y'all about organic versus inventive webbing. But Spider-Man 2 spends a lot of time, a lot of the conflict in that movie, like the first hour is him losing his abilities like what yeah, I, I can't do you remember because like he's having an inner like having struggle. inner struggle on whether or not he wants to be spider-man or he wants to be a good boyfriend or whatever and so i i think that that is an interest they, they do say what you will about which one's better they stuck to organic webbing and 
created a plot around it that was, you know, I mean, that's definitely the most boring part of that movie. That's if they had not done that in Spider-Man 2, it would have been the best Spider-Man movie, <laughs> in my opinion. But like, just the, like when like he's he's like when he's decided I'm no longer Spider-Man and he like walks like through like a street and like someone's being beaten up in an alley and he's just like, nope, I'm not Spider-Man. Not my problem. You're like, dude, anybody like with a heart <laughs> would go over there and help the woman getting mugged. Like you yeah. don't have to have superpowers to do that. That's just, that's, that's just, that was a wrong turn. Which, which honestly is one of the things I love about Spider-Man in general um, is that one of the things they always wanted to get across and they make it very explicit in Spider-Verse is anyone can wear the mask, right? Yeah. So it's not about Peter Parker being Spider-Man as much as like they wanted Peter Parker to be just an anybody. Yeah, um, he's he's not a Bruce Wayne. He's not a Clark Kent. Like anybody could be Spider Man. And to your point of yeah, anybody with a heart would go help that woman getting mugged. Like it, it's not just Spider Man's responsibility. It's all yeah. of our responsibilities to go help other people. It's not like if he like went and like stopped the mugging, he would all of a sudden like have his powers back and like ah, this life chose me. You know, like yeah. Yeah. you bringing up Spider Verse though has brought something to my attention. If we could have gotten. Or maybe we can. Who who knows? If we could get a uh, a full length Spider Man movie with Chris Pine's Peter Parker, yes, I would be all over that. I, that was so much fun. It was only for like I, ten minutes, and I had the blast. I was literally thinking about making Chris Pine Spider Man my best Spider Man. He was so much fun. He was great. His quick wit was perfect for spider-man yeah and it was like an older version of spider-man who's i think he was a college student i think is what they're saying in that one so he said um in his intro i've been spider-man for the last 10 years i think when at when he's like when they're at his funeral they were like spider-man's revealed to be peter parker oh yeah he was a college student grad student okay yeah so i would um, love a movie for him he was so much fun and maybe that was just because like he was the only one i didn't know was in the movie because um, oh, I knew Jake yeah, Johnson yeah. was a Spider-Man. I knew the Miles Morales. I knew Gwen Sp- Spider-Gwen. When they opened up with that voice, I was like, that's not Jake Johnson. Who is that? And I was like, <laughs> I was, it bothered me that until I could figure out it was Chris Pine. And then he died. And I was like, what? Go do it again. Start the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, because it was so much fun. He was great. And then Jake Johnson Spider-Man would be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, I'd yeah. sign me up. I would watch you to see like yeah, kind of sad Spider-Man. Like he loses his yeah. vein. Like yeah. he, you know, Which he gets part? fat. I was in my I was in my room doing push-ups, doing ab crunches, getting fit. He's eating a pizza, crying <laughs> into the pizza. Um, yes. Yeah, in in prep in preparation for this podcast, I watched 2002 Spider-Man, Spider-Verse, and Spider-Man: Homecoming. I went ahead and skipped the Andrew Garfield ones because. Yeah. I knew I didn't like those, um, but wow, they were all enjoyable, and yeah. I liked them all for all very different reasons. But mm-hmm. I loved Sp- Spider Verse, and it's that's what I was. So that's good. a. I think are we all kind of agreeing that Tom Holland is our favorite Spider Man, live action Spider Man at least. I think so. I think yeah. that's pretty yeah. unanimous. Because I don't know about you guys, but I grew up watching Spider Man and His Amazing Friends, that TV show, yeah. the cartoon. That was so much fun, and that's mm-hmm. where I—that's where like I think my love for like superheroes came about. And in that show, he would always lose webbing at the absolute worst time. And have to <laughs> um, I, before we move on, I will say mm-hmm. I love the Tom Holland Spider Man movies. Mm-hmm. It had a it had a lot going for it, um, as far as 
they just was, they lumped him into the Avengers there pretty quick. It was quick. part of the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe, right? Mm-hmm. There were so many other Spider-Man movies that had already been done yeah. that they didn't yeah. have to tell the origin story. That's true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He he sends one line uh to his friend where he says, "I can't do that after everything May's already been through." And um, in that one line, it goes, "You know how my you know died and how I became Spider-Man and all my the, three like, closest relatives they're dead off yeah. screen you never so saw like, them yeah. so like in one line they sum up what Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire had to spend 55 minutes talking about that's a good point and nobody and had ever seen it on screen before and that's kind of like when we talked about the uh breaking bad versus better call Saul in mm. episode three we talked about our favorite Spider-Man they thrust Spider-Man into a movie that was titled Captain America Civil War which which the second st- biggest star of that movie was Robert Downey freaking Jr. So like he had to he didn't have to carry the whole movie. He was like yeah. the 18th build character or uh, artist or actor on that movie. So he didn't have to carry it. That's a really good point. And he was maybe, to kind of jump off. And was maybe the person people are most excited to see in the movie. Yeah. Right? The Civil War the civil in the comic books, like Spider-Man was the key character because he starts yeah. off on one side and then he flips to the other side and he's like He's the thing that basically gets the ball rolling both directions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for him not to be in Civil War would just have been a travesty, which freaking again, guys, the freaking Russo brothers, they're amazing. <laughs> we are so lucky that we live yeah. in a world where Anthony and Joe Russo make movies and mm-hmm. people are letting them do whatever they want, essentially, because they didn't, Marvel still doesn't have the rights to Spider-Man and they still got him in the freaking movie. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. And I will say, uh, you know, the, that whole... Uh, Tom McGuire's Peter Parker crawled so that Tom Holland could swing. Like it, it is, there is a lot of weight in the early couple iterations of Spider-Man to kind of get those origin stories and that uncle, his dying, his uncle dying's plot line. That's great stuff, but it's also difficult to build on that when you don't have those impactful moments in your story to still make an interesting story. Like the, not far from home, which is the homecoming, Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming. Homecoming yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, but the the plot was kind of a small plot. Yeah. It was a neighborhood Spider-Man plot mm-hmm. in a Captain America Civil War universe, which I, I mean, it's difficult to do, but I still enjoyed the movie. After just seeing him fight Captain America and Ant-Man, who had become yeah. a giant man, you're like, oh, he's in high school now. He's in algebra class, cool. Taking on the vulture. Yeah. It's, it, it's not the most crazy weighted impactful story but it's still an interesting fun change of pace uh, and that's difficult to do when you have these characters that you like i want to have this really impactful moment yeah. where he watches his uncle die and it's his fault right but to to not have those moments to still make good stories is can be just as difficult uh i will say one of my favorite things that happened in the tom holland spider-man and it's such like a nuanced thing is that uh he sometimes can't shoot his webs at stuff because there's nothing to shoot at. Yeah, uh, yeah that's great. There's one time where he's swinging and he shoots and there's not a building or anything and he falls head like face first into like a roof. And he's like, ow, that hurt. I'm okay, I'm okay. And there's another time where he's running on a golf course driving range and there's nothing yes. to shoot at. And he's like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. <laughs> I don't and, remember that. I think yeah, and, so and it's, like, it's like little two second things, but I'm like, oh, they planted it in the real world. Whereas yeah. you know, yes. every Spider-Man game, every Spider-Man movie, whatever, the web just goes off the top of the screen and it's like, it attached. It to attached something. to something, yeah. You know, 
There's a um, helicopter constantly flying above Spider-Man. And, and there's the part where he's like running and he they compare it actually to the Ferris Bueller running scene. Uh, and he's trying to like jump over fences and latch onto stuff and he keeps getting caught and, or like falling yeah. into a woodshed or like, you know, the lamppost bends down. So he falls and hits the fence, like stuff like yeah. that. Um, I appreciated that they rooted it in re- real world issues that he right. might actually run into. That's cool. And that's, I think where I'd like to spin this to is we went from uh, best Spider-Man to now we're going to go to best Spider-Man movie. And I've got a hot sports opinion for you guys. Mm. I'd like to hear what you have to say about this. We just, Tom Holland is my favorite live action Spider-Man. I think he does it the best but I did not enjoy Spider-Man Homecoming very much. I liked Far From Home. I did yeah. enjoy that. Um, but Because in that one, you got more of the, like, Peter Parker's being pulled between being a superhero and being a kid. And that's where I resonate with Spider-Man. So I enjoyed having that. And then Mysterio, I thought was a great villain. Jake Gyllenhaal was awesome. But I don't, I don't think I liked the first one, Homecoming. And it's hard for any of the Spider-Man movies to beat out Spider-Man 2 for me with Doc Ock. That's going to be my favorite Spider-Man movie for sure. I think there's another aspect of these movies we haven't talked about yet before we start buttoning down on favorite Spider-Man movies. And that's favorite Spider-Man villain. Spider-Man famously has a huge rogues gallery Mm -hmm. of villains. What's your favorite live action version of which villain? Like, because I think that's a really big factor on like, Rhino makes a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> the thirty seconds Rhino had. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, Green William Defoe's Green Goblin was really, really good. I thought so I thought Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio was great, but Doc Ock, Doc Ock was really cool, and it was Your a favorite? really cool. Well, and and I think the cool thing that Sam Raimi did with his villains is that all of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man villains all had like a personal connection to Peter Parker. And it yeah. wasn't just a bad guy for Spider-Man to fight. It was someone that was important to Peter. And I think Doc Ock's relationship with Peter was really, really good. And um, yeah. that's kind of what made it really hard at the end. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's because it's my favorite one. Maybe that's why it's my favorite one. I will yeah. say that I also really enjoyed Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin. I think he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I I hated his their final battle scene. Or he kills himself with his own it just seems slider forced. thing. And part of that is because from a like, hey dude, what's your plan? Because <laughs> right? even, yeah. even if Spider-Man doesn't jump out of the way of your glider, it's still gonna hit you. Yeah. yeah. Like it's gonna yeah, go through point. Spider-Man and it's gonna hit you anyway. And so that was a really tough front humping Spider-Man as opposed to just dying yourself. So, Why did you say it like that? <laughs> oh my God. So it's like, what, what was your plan here? And so like, for that reason, I hated the way that they wrote that final battle scene, but the way he did green goblin, I thought was really cool. Well, let me ask you this. So they had to, they had to end the green goblin storyline. He had to die, but they also couldn't make Spider-Man kill his best friend's dad, you know, like it had to be at his own hand. Even though for the next three movies, that's all. Oh, he's still mad at him. Yeah. Yeah. He's still pissed that you killed my dad. Like only line. Literally. I jumped out of the way. I don't know what you want me to do here. (laughs) You want me to stand there and take it. And apparently uh, (laughs) Drew, Drew Allen made this, uh, observation the other day of like apparently the butler is like a forensic scientist because in spider-man 3 he's like mm, the blades match the glider and he's like yeah. what how did you know <laughs> i forgot about did that. you like compare 
Yeah. <laughs> How many people did you stab with the glider? They're like, no, I know that. I know that wound. That's Green so Goblin's funny. Alfred comes in to exposition away any evil thoughts that <laughs> James you said his Alfred. Had. Yeah. <laughs> but no, some other great villains we haven't talked about are Killer Croc from the first Amazing Spider-Man. Kind of, he was pretty good. Yeah. He was he was good. That same storyline of Peter's like mentor turning evil or getting yeah. corrupted. I think that's a great storyline. My, and, and my personal yeah. favorite is the Vulture. Um, really? really? What? I thought he did really good because he's not like he, they do a, a good job of explaining why he is bad. Right? Yeah. It's not like oh he was exposed to science gas um, <laughs> you know it's like oh now he's just evil it's i guess like, that's uh, the most believable yeah. of the villain turns of why because all of his villains are like people that he was friends with at one point yeah. or friendly with you know mm-hmm. and so i guess that makes sense and to your point and to, and to your point of uh like oh he has a connection to them you don't realize he has a connection to him until yeah. later on re- and then once he does realize phenomenal it, reveal it's a that scene where Michael Keaton, I who I also think was just like a great actor and did a great yeah. job as the villain, holds the gun in the car and talks to Peter of like, "You saved my daughter, so I'm going to give you a pass. But if yeah, you get in my way again, I'll kill you. I'll kill you dead." Which I think is a dumb line. And he's like, "And I'll kill, <laughs> I'll kill everyone you love." And it's like, he is so serious about this yeah. dude. And you're 16. Like, you better believe you're not getting in that dude's way. I can't remember how or why, but I remember I saw that turn coming a mile away. Did you guys? Uh, that he was his love and no. father? Yes. No. I saw that coming from a mile away, and I don't know how or why. Like, when the scene was, was of, of the reveal happening, I was like, are they... Where's the vulture coming from in this scene? Because that's like oh, the, okay. the way the scene was set up. Just yeah, like so he opens the door. Right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. that. That was the only thing that keyed me in on. It. Other than that, totally caught off guard. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's that, that's why I prefaced with Sam Raimi's villains were all had like personal connections with Spider-Man. Because I don't know where. Yeah. The vulture and and Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio fall into that. But other than I don't remember Sandman. Can we talk about how well Topher and see Grace and Sandman the is the villain? guy who killed Sandman is the guy who killed his uncle and so that was like the oh, personal I totally thing. forgot about that mm-hmm. yeah that's why he wanted to hurt the that's why he wanted to kill the Sandman originally was because he thought that was the guy who killed his uncle when I think it turns out that his buddy he had the gun at him and his buddy came over and like brushed him in the back and he accidentally pulled the trigger uh, which is you know revisionist history th- two movies after the original yeah, movie yeah, yeah, but yeah, you know it all but that was his he always had a personal connection with the guys he was fighting which is really good but that's that, one of my favorite villains Topher grace's venom oh my god that was so it, bad. it just can't be <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you remember that time in in movie lore when everybody was like Topher Grace, he's the next hot thing? Yeah, man. And mm. they were just forcing him into stuff everywhere. And I, I will be honest, I was a person who was like, I want Topher Grace to succeed. Yeah, and I saw him in uh, movies. Just like wanted him to be Double. Eric from that '70s show and everything, and he wasn't <laughs> Eric from that '70s show and everything. It was so he sad. Wasn't. Yeah, it's tough. That's hilarious. So I think I, my favorite really is Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio just they do so many cool things and the fact that they introduce like the whole movie is like tom hall and spider-man getting a hold of his spider sense yeah and i think mysterio is such a great villain for that like the fact that that's how he overcomes him in the end was such a beautiful Mm -hmm. moment and so wonderful and it it was like 
it's Tom Holland is a young Spider-Man and it's him coming to grips, which is why it's so charming to see him, his relationship with Iron Man and like these, all these Avengers level superheroes that are old adult, super powerful mm-hmm. gods almost. And then Tom Holland comes in and he's kind of holding his own. He's scrappy. Yeah. And he just, each movie kind of gets a little bit better hang of it. And I, that's, I, I didn't like the was... backstory with them all being Tony Stark employees. I thought that was kind of like, that was kind of like we're doing, we're kind of going to the same well again for oh, the yeah. next bad guy was also a Tony Stark, you know, someone who was, who was shunned exactly. by Tony Stark. I just, yeah. uh, that was too much for me. I, yeah. I will say I was actually really worried about how they were going to do Mysterio, like how that was going to translate to the big Yeah, screen. I was too, yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised yeah. overall. with. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, I did too. The fact that they were able to do that whole sequence of him in the snow globe and then him, like all of those quick cuts and so much right. CGI and I didn't throw up, I was like, <laughs> okay, we've gotten to the point where we can do Mysterio on a live action Hollywood blockbuster. Ooh, speaking of CGI... If you go back and rewatch the first Spider-Man, that CGI does not hold up. Yeah. Um, like when he is jumping across like rooftop to rooftop and then he's like running around, it almost looks like claymation. Like the walls and grommets. I think the <laughs> claymation. I, I think the original Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's 20, 2002 Spider-Man, doesn't it end with him swinging and then landing on um, like a American An American flag. flag. I remember, so I remember leaving Spider-Man and we saw it as a whole family. Even my grandma came, mom, sisters, everybody came. And my dad, my brother and I, we took our family back home, dropped them off, and then went back and saw Spider-Man again right afterwards. Um, so that was, that was so much fun to get to see a superhero in a, in a good movie that wasn't, you know, Tim Burton trying to make the Batman. <laughs> um, and we loved it so much we went and saw it again, so... Um, that's the first time I remember going to see a movie. I think the only time really I've seen a movie. Then it's like, okay, when's the next showing? When can we go again? Because that was so cool. Yeah, that's, so, I, I, that's a great story. I didn't appreciate the Tim Burton uh, <laughs> attack, uh, but we can talk about that later. So Spider-Man Two with Doc Ock is my favorite um, Spider-Man live-action movie, even though it's got that bit that I don't super enjoy with him not helping the woman who's being mugged. Uh, what are you guys' favorite? So, and, then, and then, to be clear, my favorite Spider-Man movie of all time is Into the Spider-Verse. That movie is untouchable. As far as uh, cartoon movie, that movie's untouchable. It will be the greatest of all time ever until the sequel comes out. Correct. What do you guys think? What's your favorite live action? And then is your live action better than Spider-Verse? No, I, I'm 100% with you. I think Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie um, by far. Yeah. It's... And it was such an interesting take on it. Um, and I think Drew Allen was talking about it earlier, like all the different origin stories that have happened for Spider-Man over the years to see all of them come together or several of them come together in a very fun way. Yeah. Um, was really cool. I, I absolutely love that movie. I think it is my favorite Spider-Man movie and I don't think a live action version comes that close even touches it wow um i mean my favorite live action was probably going to be homecoming um so kyle i'd recommend you watch it again yeah i'm gonna watch it yeah i'm gonna watch it because i thought it was really clever well done um it was fun thought tom holland's amazing but honestly i think i can't stop raving about spider verse that's Mm -hmm. the best one yeah okay drew allen what about you um, I, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Spider-Verse as well. Um, that moment where they all kind of help him 
deal with his uncle dying. Like I thought that was a really beautiful and well done scene. And that's the one that really sticks with me of like, it's really an emotional, painful moment for him. And then you realize that each one of them has dealt with that too. I thought that was a great reveal and a great, they handled that really beautifully. Uh, but as far as my favorite Spider-Man movie, I'm going to go with Far From Home. Um, so my favorite Spider-Man, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio is so cool. And I've always loved Mysterio as a villain. I thought he was very interesting and they've always done fun stuff with him. Like um, in video games, he's always a really fun Easter egg. Uh, that movie is incredible. I think it builds the character out a lot. And I, Tom Holland's just so darn charming. I yeah. mean, I, I love to see him succeed. Did you guys get the, um, when you're talking about Spider-Verse and them dealing with uh, his uncle's death. Did you guys get the Miles Morales reference in Spider-Man Homecoming? Yeah, his uh, his Don- uncle is the yeah Donald Donald Glover, Donald Glover is the Prowler, oh, and, which brings no. me and he's like I got a nephew that lives in this neighborhood. Yeah, blah blah blah. Okay, oh. which brings me to something to an IMDb trivia fact for you guys about Spider-Man. Does anybody know Wah. where the idea for Miles <laughs> Morales came from? Is this common knowledge? Nobody. I say. If you're, okay. I don't know a specific answer, no. So I would like to uh, bring you guys back to episode three of our podcast, which we did favorite TV shows. Talked about a lot in this show is Community. Uh, Donald Glover is in Community, correct? Okay. Beginning oh, of so either far. season two or season three, Donald Glover is getting out of bed. It's the I think it's the first episode of the season. I think it's season three. He's getting out of the bed in Spider-Man pajamas. The writer's name, who's I think his last name is Bendis, he saw Donald Glover get out of bed in that, uh, Spider-Man uh, pajamas and he said I really would like to read a story about a black Spider-Man or Hispanic Spider-Man a minority Spider-Man and then he realized why don't I just write a, st- yeah. a Spider-Man story a Spider-Man who's black or Spider-Man who's Hispanic so he made the best of both worlds had a dad who was black mom was Hispanic and that's how Miles Morales came around community changed the world <laughs> as awesome. we know it and awesome. I think at that time they had stated that they were going to make the amazing Spider-Man and Donald Glover was campaigning to be the new Spider-Man. Um, I do remember that. I, yeah. I actually remember that. And so the internet went crazy with the idea Donald Glover would be it. And I think that's why they opened up the season of community with him in the Spider-Man pajamas. So what came with Donald Glover, just like campaigning for a movie ended up creating the character of Miles Morales, which is so cool. Community changed the world. There you go, guys. Community for the win. Always. <laughs> if, if nothing else, this podcast supports Dan Harmon and community. Uh, and, and that's been stated a hundred times over and the Russo brothers. Yeah. Um, okay. So we were all somewhat in agreement uh, on our favorite Spider-Man and his favorite Spider-Man movies. Um, if you listening at home have a favorite Spider-Man or Spider-Man movie that we missed, please go ahead and let us know at NTPYD podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at NTPYD podcast. Guys, I enjoy talking Spider-Man with you. This was shorter than I thought. I thought we'd go for like eight hours. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, a, a big thing for me. Stronger every day. I could have probably talked for an hour about all the different Spider-Men in Into the Spider-Verse, right? Like yeah. John Mulaney, a Spider-Ham. I watched that movie. Also, if you buy the, the movie, there's an alternate um, multiverse version of the movie. Uh, and they change a couple of things, but the intro, instead of about being uh, about Chris Pine, the is intro is Spider actually Ham? about Spider Ham. Oh yes! Oh, I need it. I want that. Oh, and, okay. and and they have a couple other like little deleted scenes 
in in the movie that like spin off in different directions. Cool. That okay. that movie is so funny, and just like the little gags they do, where yeah. like, um, Hard Jake John Hall's like, okay, so what I do? Step one, I sneak into the facility. Step two. <laughs> I steal the computer from the guy. And he's like, actually, that woman with the bike's the doctor. And he's like, okay, step three, I recheck my personal biases. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then step when they're four, swinging, I steal a bagel. And when they're swinging, then he's like, you're getting it. Great. Do I want to be a dad? Like, yeah. he's so great in that movie, man. Also, the little things, like, when they do steal the bagel, one of the scientists goes, hey, he's stealing a bagel. <laughs> and then... They turn around and Miles Morales throws it and hits one of the doctors in the head. And the text that comes out of it just says, bagel. <laughs> it's so good. They put so much into that movie. I think the fact that, that's, that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse has an Oscar, I think that that just has to put it on top, right? That's the only Spider-Man movie that's got an Oscar. So there you go. I'm assuming that Sam Raimi's Spider-Man didn't win for like best editing or like soundtrack or something. I'm assuming Sam Raimi's never won an Oscar. I'm going to go ahead and assume that as well. As great as Evil Dead was, all three iterations of it. All true. All true. Yeah. <laughs> I hear those are the same movie, just redone. And that's all we got time for this week and not the podcast reserved. Thank you guys for joining us. <laughs>